And hello again, everyone. I'm John Ray on the Price and Value Journey, and I'm delighted this uh, today to welcome Mark Peacock. Mark is a leading pricing expert based in the UK, focusing on growth businesses in tech services, B2B, and product development sectors. He's the founder and managing director of Pricemaker Limited, a specialist pricing consultancy who has helped his clients create new pricing solutions that add significant bottom line value on average 20% increase in net profits. Do I have your attention folks? Uh, Mark, Mark's been about 25 years in the corporate world for brands such as DHL. He has been in charge of business units with over 25 million in revenue. That's pounds, not dollars. So, uh, folks, that's more than what you think, uh, uh, given the conversion and over 100 of staff, uh, uh, headcount where he grew profits by 250% over five years. His expertise not only includes pricing, but product management, sales, marketing, commercial strategy, and P and L management. Mark Peacock, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, John. It's a real pleasure to be here, and thanks for that lovely introduction. I'm, I'm looking forward to our chat. Yeah, it's an honor to have you here, and um, we, we've got you here to uh, to address the question of how to successfully increase prices. But before we get to that, re- just real quick, I'm you've got all this experience in corporate that goes well beyond pricing. And I'm just curious when you left corporate to start your own practice, why did you focus on pricing? Yeah, it's a great question, John. And, um, when I originally left, I wasn't absolutely sure what I was going to do. As you say, I have all of this experience in product management, marketing, running sales teams and running a business. And then I have my eureka moment. Uh, and I thought pricing, nobody talks about pricing, particularly, Uh, in the small and medium-sized business world. You know, you've got the likes of McKinsey's and the big, you know, consultancies helping large corporates with pricing, but nobody really talks about it in the SME world. And, you know, I just felt that there was a a place and a gap for somebody to come in and talk about how pricing can make a big difference to your business and show people that it doesn't actually have to be scary or difficult and actually that there are lots of simple tactics that anybody can use that that can make a big difference so i saw that as my my mission if you like so Mm -hmm. that's uh that's why i'm I'm on the show today i guess to help spread the word about the the power of pricing absolutely and and you've uh i think as we covered in the introduction your your focus is on several different sectors, you know, ours here on this show is on professional services firms, which you also have a wide experience with. Talk about from your Mm -hmm. perspective, how bad the problem of inadequate or poor pricing is for professional services firms. Yeah, I think that it starts with the point that people running these businesses are generally brilliant at what they do, right? Whether Mm -hmm. they're a marketing consultant, a lawyer, an accountant, an advisor, a consultant, whatever it is, they're brilliant at what they do. But more often than not, particularly when it comes to pricing, they are um, a bit scared about it and they just default to the, the same method of pricing that everybody else in their industry uses. So, 
hourly rates and day rates and project fees and things like that. Um, and they, they don't really put the thought that they need to into what's the best pricing strategy for me. Um, and the, the extent of that thought process is really is what's my hourly rate going to be? Is right. it $250? Is it $500? Or is it $50? You know, where do I sit on that on that scale? And there's a lot of hand wringing and worry and consideration. And then then we eventually settle on a number, whatever it is, and then we stick with it. So we, we've gone through that, you know, hard question of what's my hourly rate, and we don't want to go through it again. <laughs> so <laughs> we don't we don't move on any further. Um, and um, in terms of how prevalent it is, well, I think it's rife. You know, I think, you know, show me a business in the sector that's got an amazing pricing strategy and, and I'll be quite surprised. People might be doing quite well with their pricing, uh, which is great. But then the question is, well, how much better could it be? So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot. There's, that's why, I, you know, I'm passionate about what I do, because I think there's a lot of people in this space that need help with their pricing. How do you, uh, how does someone that's not an expert like you are, who has their own practice, how do they know they need to raise their prices? Hmm. For me, the biggest indicator is the answer to the question, when did you last put your prices up? If the answer to that is more than a year ago, then you're going backwards in terms of where you should really be. Now, um, we're all aware of the threat of inflation, uh, rising costs, rising prices. I'm sure it's just as bad in the US as it is in the UK at the moment uh, for all sorts of reasons. Um, so if, if you don't really think about it, um, people are unaware of the damaging effect of inflation over time. Mm-hmm. So in if I give a very quick made up example, but based it, based, basing it on UK figures, $100 is not worth from 10 years ago is not worth $100 today. It's probably worth only about $70 in equivalent buying power. So if you haven't put your prices up in 10 years, you've lost, you know, up to $30 in value in buying power that you would have had 10 years ago. And the longer it goes on, the worse it gets. Because you might think that inflation is only 2 or 3%. I'm not sure what it is in the US at the moment. But that erodes the power of your dollar mm-hmm. every single year. So if you don't do anything about it, you might think that the way to overcome that is to grow your business, is to sell more. But you can do that, but your net margin is still deteriorating. So I think that the, the first question I always ask people is, you know, well, when did you last put your prices up? Normally, always more than a year. People often say, well, I haven't done it probably three years ago. We last put our rates up. And, and often you'll hear people saying, well, we haven't put our prices up in 10 years. <laughs> um, and, and it's, you know, that's that's a big red flag for me. So if, if that's the case, then you really need to think about doing something about it. Yeah. And I'm going to come back to what you said about if it's been less than a year, because I'm sure there's some folks that are probably, uh, shrieking in horror thinking about raising their prices, uh, every year. But, um, I want to come back to that, but I want to talk about the reasoning behind 
why price increases don't occur. And mm-hmm. I assume fear is the biggest reason, but do, do you agree with that? And, and if so, why? And if you see something else, please comment on that. Yeah, totally. I totally agree that fear is the, is the underlying reason why people do not put their prices up. Um, they might think it's something else. Um, they might think it's due to market situation, increased number of competitors. Um, you know, my, my business is growing, so I don't need to. Um, but the underlying reason is fear. And that's because when it comes to thinking about that awkward conversation that you've got to have with your customers, people are scared, right? We're scared because we don't want to upset our customers. And if we do put our prices up, we don't know how our competitors might react. Mm. So that all of that is going to affect our ability to achieve our revenue targets. And we might also lose out on new sales in the future that we would have got at our old prices. So the conclusion, the thought process is, it's far too risky. I don't want to rock the boat. Do you know what? I'm just not going to bother. And I'm going to focus on other things to grow my business, if that's important to me. So, you know, better marketing campaign, new products, uh, recruit more salespeople, invest in new systems, whatever it is. You know, there's, there's a whole load of things people will do to grow their business before they look at pricing. But pricing is the most powerful lever, as you know, John. Mm-hmm. So it's a shame that people don't, that they let the fear gets in the way. Um, ignorance, I think, lack of awareness of how to do it is another big factor because that doesn't get taught in business school, does it? You know, you don't, you don't do a module on how to increase your prices. Right. You might remember what you learned about supply and demand and microeconomics, but that's mm-hmm. of no use at all in this situation. So yeah, fear and lack of awareness, I think, are, are big factors in stopping people putting their prices up. And and unlike uh, those that are in manufacturing, let's say, that produce a product, um, what's being sold for a professional services provider is what's between their ears. So it's highly personal, right? I mean, it's like you're putting a price on your forehead, if you will, for people yeah. to to say no to. And I think as much as people don't want to admit that's what's happening, that's really the way they feel down deep, right? Totally. And I think that's that's also what holds people back from reviewing their pricing because they take it as take it very personally. And if mm-hmm. somebody says no to the price increase, that's a personal rejection. Um, what I try and, you know, teach my clients is to separate the person from the product. You know, so think of it, well, this is the service I provide. It's a product and it has a price. Um, And the best strategy, of course, is to provide options on our product range at different price points. So it changes the conversation from the seller from, will you buy from me? Yes or no. And my rate is $100 an hour to, well, here's the range of options that I provide. Which one of these best meets your needs at the price you're willing to pay? So it depersonalizes that, you know, that link between the amount they're paying you and your own self-worth and self-value. So you, you, you need to get into that mindset of separating the two things and, and thinking about your pricing more carefully will, will enable you to do that. Yeah, I, I just love that. I mean, because it, it really, 
it, it, it really turns the conversation into yes or no. It's a binary kind of thing, uh, into let's talk about what your options are and you make the decision. And mm-hmm. I, as the services provider, in a way, I don't care what, uh, selection they make, right? Because I'm giving them options and they're picking the one that fits best for them. Exactly that. And the, the, the best way to achieve that is rather than selling a, an hourly rate. So let's say I'm a website designer, you know, and I design websites for a living and my hourly rate is $500 a day. And I estimate the job is going to take 10 days. So $5,000 in total. So rather than me pitching to the client and saying, well, look, I charge $500 a day and it's 10 days. Do you want me to do it? Yes or no. And it might take more than that. Far better to just turn that into a project fee and say, well, look, I've estimated the requirements. These are your objectives. This is what I can do. This is how it'll look. And uh, the overall project cost to meet your requirements is £5,000. By the way, if you want uh, an enhanced version of what I can do, here's another option with a load of extra services and features, and that's £7,500 or dollars. So you're immediately moving away from, I charge $500 an hour to... Well, here are two options, which which one of these best meets your needs at the price you're willing to pay. And of course, we're, we're using a few psychological pricing tricks in there, John, i.e. a high price anchor, which mm-hmm. I'm sure you're aware of. And mm-hmm. that's highly useful in terms of positioning, the quality of what you do, and, and allowing people to reference that to make a choice. Yeah, I'm, I want to get back to options here uh, in a second. But before we leave, uh, I guess, the psychology of the services provider, let's talk about ignorance. And as you said so well, these the folks we're talking about, those that are listening to this conversation, are brilliant people in what they do. So, But the ignorance, could that ignorance be what we're talking about is the lack of understanding of a client's perception of value and that's where that ignorance is based is that what you see i think it, it's both that and both the lack and the lack of awareness of other ways to price what you do you know i mean if you if you work in a marketing agency you've been trained right to estimate hours and you've got a ladder of hourly rates depending on your seniority and that's just the way it is it's the same in legal uh, firms, accountancies, it's just the same approach. And nobody takes the time or effort to think, well, is there a different way to price up what we do? And we, we just get so used to um, pricing using that methodology. But you're absolutely right. In terms of understanding customer value, that's another area that people really struggle with. And, and the best way to think about this, this is, you know, let's say I'm that website designer again, and I'm charging $500 an hour. And if I'm selling one and they are a very small business, they afford my fees, but they really love my help. Well, their willingness to pay, their ability to pay is very low, but they, they might perceive high value. Whereas at the other end of the scale, you might have a much larger business as a client who thinks, oh, yeah. Five hundred pound a day—that's a bargain. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's crack on. So why on earth, if that's the case, if that if that's what happens in your market, why on earth would anybody try and sell the same price to both um, types of customer? Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. When you think about it like that. 
because people do value um, perceive value in very different ways and we need to adapt and adjust our pricing response accordingly that doesn't mean just saying well i'm going to charge you three hundred dollars and i'm going to charge you five hundred dollars it needs to be more intelligent than that but yeah understanding customer value is, is where really it all starts mm-hmm. um and, and i think that is hard for people in this space um but there are there are ways and means to, to go about doing that yeah and we'll we we may get to some of that but we we want to get focused on how to increase prices because a lot of folks are struggling with that, knowing they maybe need to. Um, and I think we talked about competitors and how, uh, folks are really focused in on what their competitors are up to. And some of the, the competitors are afraid too. <laughs> so how can, how can I increase my prices, Mark, if my competitors aren't? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think I think the problem starts with the assessment that we're all you know charging roughly the same price in terms of an hourly rate, you know whatever the number is. Um, so if uh, if I'm charging five hundred dollars and my nearest competitor, let's say that they're exactly the same price, how on earth can I get away with putting that up to five fifty or six hundred dollars? It feels difficult, right? You know, mm-hmm. why why would why would I want to do that? That makes no sense business-wise, because I'm going to lose business to those guys down the road and I'm not going to win any new contracts. Well, this is the problem with selling on an hourly rate or a day rate, because you're you know, you're allowing the buyer to make it very easy to compare your rate with somebody else's rate. So the first step is turning it in, into options or packages or bundles. And that immediately sidesteps the easy comparison for a buyer to say, well, they're 500 pounds an hour and you're, you're telling me you're 600 pounds an hour uh, and you turn it into a bundle, you know, well, it's $5,000, it's $10,000 or whatever the number is. That's far better, I think. Um, uh, in terms of um, how we go about this, um, the, the best advice I think I can give is to, if you can do your, you know, understand your customers in terms of their value and their prospects, you need to do that. But in terms of the competitors, my advice is people get too worried about what competitors might or might not do. And whilst it's important to know where you sit versus your competition, and particularly in terms of your price positioning, don't get hung up on it. And if you feel your your product or service has a high value, you have a good reputation, you have a strong brand, and you have lots of referrals and recommendations, then focus on that first and foremost. And work out a plan to improve your pricing, not necessarily increase, but improve your pricing across your mix. And, and let the competitors worry about it you know, for themselves. I think all too often people are, they anchor their pricing to the competitors. Um, but why would you let somebody else determine the most important value lever that you've got, that you can control, which is your price? And then if you're not sure, try and work out ways to improve your value proposition. Do I need to invest more in my branding, in my marketing? Do I need better systems to offer a better service? Do I need more uh, people to support what I do. 
And all of that enhances and justifies the product that you're selling um, unique to the needs and the market that you serve rather than worrying about the customers. So I guess my best advice there, John, is just forget them for a second <laughs> and just crack on and sort yourself out and then let worry about them further down the line. What do you think to that? Yeah, well, I couldn't agree more. And w- to me that you're focused on the wrong crowd, but you, you said it, instead of worrying about your competitors, focus on your customers, go ask them why they're doing business with you. And you'll be amazed at what you'll find out, right? You will find out reasons there you're uh, delivering value that you didn't even think of. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the other, the other reason to do it like that is you might flush out some really important things that you need to know about so if you do you do do everything that we suggest and you go out with a very thoughtful price increase campaign and you get some feedback from people that say well look we're not happy well what does that tell you but what it probably tells you that it's not actually the price that's the problem it's the underlying quality of service or the product Mm. offering that you're selling that's the real problem because they're unhappy with it so the price value equation has now gone out of balance in the eyes of the customer. Before they like they were okay with the price value ratio, but now it's tilted in um, in the direction they don't like. So you need to know that. So far better to have those awkward conversations and find out these things than just carry on regardless. And eventually you'll lose customers and business because you don't understand why people are leaving. So yeah. Another good reason, I think, to tackle your pricing, at least annually, I would say, uh, to make sure you you know what your customers really value. Um, yeah, that, that's my observation on that, I think, John. Yeah, and and then on the positive side, you may be, you may have value that you're delivering in ways that you mm-hmm. you you don't even think about. I mean, I, yeah. I I'll give the example of the uh, accountant that. Uh, People do business with that accountant, not because they're technically uh, at the top of their game, which they are, but because they can uh, explain difficult concepts in a way that folks can understand. I mean, I hear that a lot that, and, and so that's, that's a highly valued skill that that particular practitioner might not think about. Absolutely. And that's a great point. So it's it's the soft reason why people actually, you know, I love working with John because he explains things really clearly. Mm-hmm. So if John, the accountant, could turn that into a positioning statement and be very clear about the market, the people that they serve and why he is particularly good for them, that will justify a price premium because people will be willing to pay more for John, the accountant, who's brilliant at explaining difficult technical problems than the other guy down the road who just, you know, completes the books and sends in your tax return um, and doesn't really explain things. So, yeah, really understanding that, I think, and, and having then the confidence to take that back to your business and say, yeah, look, we're really good at this. You know, we should we should be pricing in line with the value that we're offering because our customers see that value and are willing to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of using options 
as a way to increase your price or introducing options as a way to increase your pricing. And it sounds like there's a process here, Mark. Mm-hmm. So in going from hourly to, to introducing options. So mm-hmm. should I increase my hourly rate in the meantime, while I'm preparing to introduce options? Um, I would say not because you, if you don't know where you're trying to get to, um, you might make a mistake. Mm. So pricing is a long-term game, right? Every single decision you make on your price today or tomorrow or next year will affect your business for years to come. So for example, if we say, well, my, my hourly rate is a hundred dollars an hour. Um, that's, that's your core price positioning then set for the next three to five years. And then it's very hard to move up from there. Um, if you accept a deal and you knock a few dollars off because you really want it, well, then you've lost that revenue and it comes off your bottom line for the next one, two, three years. Mm-hmm. So pricing every decision prices a long-term game. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't just rush ahead and increase the hourly rate without having thought through where do I want to get to in terms of my pricing. Um, I think it's far better to do that de- detailed work it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be onerous or difficult. And you can come up with some ideas around options fairly quickly, evaluate the pros and cons of each, and then think, okay, well, where are we going to go with this? When are we going to do it? You know, and is that acceptable to us as a business? Um, yeah, I think uh, that's what I'd say on jumping too soon on mm-hmm. that point, John. Yeah, got it. And it, what what are the characteristics? characteristics of successfully segmenting your clients so that you can introduce options that fit and how important is, is, is fit with your current clients versus the clients you hope to get. Yeah. So the, the simplest method that I talk about is to think about your market in terms of three different levels of price segmentation, high, medium, and low. Yeah, so every market, all of your listeners, all of their markets will always have three levels of price willingness to pay. So in the low segment, you've got your customers who are uh, price sensitive. So they have a low willingness to pay either because they can't afford what you do or they don't see the value in it, which is a different question. In the high willingness to pay segment, you've got customers that are willing to pay more relatively speaking, for what you do, because they value things other than price. They value your brand, your expertise, your reputation, the level of service you provide, whatever it is. Uh, And then in the middle, you've got the core of your market, which is those people who don't want to play at the cheapest end of the range, but can't afford the, the, the more expensive end of the range. And if you can design three options that fits each of those segments, you'll be in a very good place. And that could be based around, you know, a package of services. So one um, digital marketing agency I worked with had a three bundles, um, an entry bundle for startup businesses for digital and design services, uh, a, a medium bundle for existing businesses who were, you know, happy with the, uh, where they were at with their marketing, but wanted to take it up a level and then a premium bundle for um, investors 
and high growth businesses who who were like, look, we need, you know, we're we're totally ambitious. We want to go, you know, go for it basically. Mm-hmm. And there were increasing components to each of these bundles, and obviously the the fee went up, whether it's a project fee or a monthly retainer fee or whatever it is. And the beauty is when you now go out to your go out to market and sell like this, whoever you meet, you can basically say, well, here are the three options we have, or here are three typical options. Which one of those best meets your needs at a price you're willing to pay? And you really don't mind if the really wealthy buyers buy the cheapest package or the guys in the startup buy the most expensive package. You don't mind. You might be slightly surprised, but it's entirely their decision. Because right, they feel in control of that buying decision, which option might I choose? And it moves the buying process on one stage from, am I going to buy from you, yes or no, to, if I do buy from you, which option might I buy? And that's why options are so powerful. I, you know, I always say one of the most powerful, uh, sorry, most important parts of pricing is choice mm. and offering your customers well designed, choices of price will do far more for your business than anything else you know uh, and three is the magic number as we know two is okay because uh, it's more than one um four might be okay but you're probably getting into the territory of that's too many so you can come up with three options um that meet a broad range of customer needs um you'll be doing very well and you're hedging your bets right you're presenting a range of prices to the broadest spectrum of your market in terms of what they might be willingness to pay. So you're going to increase your chances of success. So I can hear folks now saying, this is lovely, this conversation you you guys are having about options, but how do options fit with increasing prices? I mean, why is why does introducing options help me increase my prices? So you could either just increase your price and let's say it's an hourly or a daily rate. So let's say one approach is to say, well, I'm charging $100 an hour and I'm going to put that price up by 10%. So for now, next year, the price is $110 an hour. So that's the traditional approach. The alternative to that is to say, well, if we could turn that hourly rate into packages, we can now go out to all of our existing customers and say, um, well, in you know, previously we've been working on an hourly rate, but I would now like to present to you some different options that you can consider, and it's entirely their decision. So, I'll use hourly rates for the sake of comparison, but it's not really the best way to do it. But what I mean by that is, so for example, you now go out to your customers and say, well, if you want to carry on buying the same service, uh, exactly the same, uh, it's a hundred dollars an hour. Or you can have a slightly enhanced version of that, which is $110 an hour. Or you can have the premium version of that, which is $130 an hour. Which one of those best meets your needs at a price you're willing to pay? And then what you'll find is that certain of your customers will stick with a $100 product, but a proportion will upgrade to the $110 product. And maybe a couple will pick the $130 product. Because until you present that option to them, they can't choose it. They can't buy it. And then if you can do the mass, you can work out the weighted average increase. And what you'll find if, say, um, 50% stay on the current rate, 
30% by the £110 product and 20% or less by the premium, the $130 product, your net average prices will have increased by between 5 and 10% without you having to enforce an actual price increase on any of your customers. And that's the power of choicing. It's, it's that little bit, bit of math that works out the net effect, the, the, the effective price increase overall across each of the options. So you can achieve increased prices by being more customer friendly, uh, more tailored and more responsive and, and not upsetting your customers, <laughs> which sounds a good good way to do it, right? Why wouldn't you do it like that if you, if you know that's the best way to do it? Yeah, I mean, that's the proverbial having your cake and eating it too, right? Yeah, exactly that. Right. Uh, sorry. Go on, no, go ahead, please. So I was just going to say I'd, I'd use the, the the example there by illustrating hourly rates, but that of course that's not the best way to do it. Right. Far better to turn it into packages of options, which could be a monthly retainer, a monthly fee, a project fee, um, uh, etc. Rather than you know three different hourly rates. That just to clarify, I don't want people thinking that's or Mark said have three different hourly rates. I mean, you can, but it's not. It's not ideal. I just yep. want to be clarified. Thank you for clarifying that because I can see somebody getting that mixed up um, uh, there. And uh, so talking about hourly rates, uh, is this the way that I should make the jump from hourly? And and should I do make that jump with new, customer, new uh, clients only? or all of my clients or just a few what do you counsel on that yeah it's a good question i always say when thinking about new pricing models always think about new customers first and then existing customers second because if we start by thinking about how can we improve our prices with our existing customers we'll get we get tied up in knots right because we just think well my biggest client it's going to be a nightmare talking about price increases to him. So, and I don't want to do that. So let's just put that issue to one side for a second and just think about new business. And the, the advantage of that is you can start with a blank sheet of paper, right? Because none, none of your prospects um, or potential customers at this stage will know what your pricing is. So you can go to them with a totally new price proposition and try things out. So you could say, well, I'm just going to try out this new approach, uh, this new pricing approach on new customers only for a couple of months till I get confident with it. And then I'll bring it back uh, to my existing customers and work out how we could apply it to them. So, yeah, I always encourage folks to think about pricing for new business first uh, and then come back to your existing customers and then seeing how you can translate or migrate you know, the existing customers onto the new pricing model. And and it, it, it just makes life a lot easier as well. And they can have more fun because they're, they're new customers, right? So let's design something that's really going to float their boat and meet our commercial requirements in terms of revenue and profit. Let's, let's shift gears here, Mark, and talk just in general about how to communicate a price increase. Uh, and you've, written and spoken on this. Let's talk about 
uh, issues like notice period, you know, how much notice should I give and the, just the communication of that, how that, how that should unfold. Yeah. And this is just as important as working out what is my new price, you know, how you communicate and articulate and justify your pricing is as important as how you set the number. And when it comes to price increases, I think there's a number of elements of good practice that businesses should follow. So talking about notice period. So what, what's a good, what's a reasonable notice period? So for me, anything less than 30 days notice of a price change is a bit unreasonable. If you're in, um, on the receiving end of a price increase that said, hey, John, we're going to put our rates up effective tomorrow, you'd be like, oh, okay, well, I haven't budgeted for that and I wasn't expecting it, so I'm a bit, I don't like that. So my advice is always minimum 30 days, even better, two-month notice, mm. right? So if you're going to put your prices up, let's say in January, at the start of the calendar year, you need to be writing to your customers or emailing them or communicating with them by the end of October. Now, this seems quite far out, doesn't it? You think, oh, my God, that's that's quite a lot. Mm-hmm. But what it does is it gets your, your mind, your brain, your business geared up properly to manage and handle that, that price change, that price increase. So by October, you need to have done the thinking uh, about how we're going to implement and apply this this price increase so so that's what i'd say on timing and the second the second reason for doing it like that is again it flushes out any disgruntled customer so you've got more opportunity to rescue that client uh, and either do something bespoke for them or if you, if you find that you know the the two the two parties there isn't a meeting of, there isn't a good fit, then maybe it is time to part ways. Mm-hmm. I would say it's far better to have 97 customers paying a higher rate than 100 customers at a lower rate. You'll be better off financially and you won't be as working as hard. So what's not to love about that? Uh, in terms of communication, mm-hmm. uh, it depends how many customers you have. For example, if you have hundreds or thousands, then you need to be doing some kind of mass communication, email or letter. If you only have a couple of dozen, you can probably pick them off one by one verbally on a phone call if uh, if you're comfortable doing that. Uh, but get your scripts ready. And I don't mean a, um, a script in the specific sense of saying something word for word for word. I mean a guideline script. So get your reasons ready. And this applies whether it's a verbal conversation or a, a written communication. So the way I would always uh, position a price increase is as follows. We start with an acknowledgement that costs have risen. Okay. Now, in the current climate, and I'm sure this is the same in the US as, as it is in the UK. Oh, yeah. Prices are rising, costs are rising significantly. Mm-hmm. So that is to your advantage because businesses, your clients, your customers are aware that this is a problem at the moment. So we can say something like, um, as I'm sure you know, costs are rising at the moment and uh, we need to uh, move our business uh, forward to keep pace with with the growth um, of our business or something like that. I didn't word that very well, but 
we acknowledge, you know, we need to acknowledge upfront that cost is an issue. Mm. But once we've done that, we then move on to uh, what that means for the customer. So we only dwell on it very briefly, but then we move on to what does that mean for you? So we can talk about the proposed price increase at that stage. So from next next January or next April or next September, um, the new pricing will look like this. And then it becomes a sales task. A price increase is a sales job in the sense that you have to remind and reinforce and reconvince all of your customers why they should continue to buy from you. So we remind them of all of our strengths, all of our USPs, all of our qualities. So for example, um, we are still the number one accountancy in our area and we specialize in providing um, friendly, uh, easy to understand advice that, that meets the, the needs of your kind of business. Or with a with a with the most creative marketing agency, and we've won loads of awards, and we are delighted to work with XYZ and look forward to coming up with more ideas for you next year. So you've got to sell hard on the reasons and the benefits that people chose you in the first place and update them if you can and remind them that that's why they chose you in the first place. And then and then you then you let them decide. You know, you don't 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 play the hard sell in terms of where you've got to switch to our new pricing from next January. It's let, let it let them decide. Let them because they are they are in control, right? So let them decide. You know, and give them an out. You know, if they don't want to carry on, then say well, that's fine. You know, um, it's been great working with you, but um, uh, that's if if you don't see the value in this, then fine. So be very gentlemanly about it. Very professional. Um, and, you know, treat people courteously, basically. So I hope I've, you know, talked through the key stages there clearly, John. So acknowledge the reason for the cost, the price increase, costs are rising. Explain uh, what impact that is going to mean for the, for the client as quickly as possible. Get it up front. And then thirdly, resell all benefits as to why they should continue to work with you. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Now... Now, one uh, post you made that discussed this, you you applauded the idea of in that first communication, not disclosing what the price increase would be, and I'm sure yeah. that's shocking people to listen to <laughs> to hear that. Yeah. You mean I'm not gonna I'm gonna tell people I'm raising price, but I'm not gonna tell them how much, and. Yeah isn't the client going to ask me how much? Um, so talk, talk through that for us. Yeah. So this is an even better price increase strategy. Um, I've used it with my clients and in the, the LinkedIn post I did, I was referring to my mobile phone provider, Virgin mm -hmm. Mobile, mm -hmm. and it was exactly the same approach. And it's a two-stage communication process. So stage one is we give all of the explanation and all of the reasons why our prices need to go up and remind people of all the benefits of why they should continue to work with us. But we don't tell them what the actual price increase is. All we say is we're going to write to you next month and confirm your new prices for next year. And then next, so let's say we write that first stage communication in October. 
and then we write the second stage for implementation in January, and then we write a second communication in November and say, dear Mr. Customer, following our communication last month, we're pleased to confirm your new prices for next year as follows, mm. and then you list them on the page. And what that does is a number of things. So it manages expectations because the client now knows, okay, I've got a price increase coming. Um, it will flush out some early objectors. So if you have any uh, people that are particularly unhappy or want more detail, they will get on the phone to you or they will reply via email. So you can start to have conversations with them. But most importantly, by the time they actually receive the price increase letter, which hopefully has some options in, um, in their mind, they'll be thinking, oh, God, um, is John going to put his prices up by, oh, gosh, it could be between 10 and 20% maybe. I've heard other, other people doing that in similar areas. And you come along and it's only 8%. Mm. And they go, oh, okay, well, it's not so bad then. Mm-hmm. They still might quibble at this point. You know, this is real life, right? This is grown-up stuff. They sure. still might argue uh, at that point once they know what the real number is. But it's a far better process because you're – you're being courteous, you're letting them know where you're at with your business. You're also demonstrating courtesy by using this two-stage process and helping them get to grips with their planning, their forecasting, because they've got to think about their budget for next year, right? So if they spend $5,000 a month on marketing fees, they need to know, well, it might go up to 5500 So let's shove that in the budget and then by the, when when the agency comes along and says, well, it's only $5,300, okay, fine. Well, we made a little saving. So it's, it's yeah, that I love that two-stage process. Virgin did it to me for my mobile phone. Uh, I could see exactly what they were doing. Uh, but, of course, by the time the actual price increase came along, it was only an extra $0.93 cents a month for my mobile plan. I did the same thing for a manufacturing company, they had 3,000 customers, sorry, 300 customers, mm. and, and it worked, and it worked really well for them. So no reason it can't work for anybody you know, in the professional services uh, industry as well. Yeah, that, that's a really important thing you just mentioned, that it, the psychology of it is that people assume the worst, whatever, you know, and the worst is probably always a whole lot higher than what you've got in mind as, as a services provider. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I love that. Um, yeah. we're kind of running down on time, but I want to ask you one quick question before we wrap, um, back to this business of raising prices every year. So I can hear people saying, I'm going to be writing letters all year long here. <laughs> if I'm raising prices every year, uh, talk about why you think that's important as opposed to just one big increase every few years. Okay, so far better to raise your prices on a regular um, pattern of frequency. So do it once a year, every year, even if it's only a couple of dollars or a couple of percent. And part of the reason for doing that is, A, you, you get your business into the habit of doing that, but you also train your customers to expect it. Mm. Even better, in your standard terms of business, you should have a clause that says, we will increase our prices every year um, by an amount linked to inflation. Um, so they know it's coming, right? So get get into the habit of doing it regularly, do it the same time every year, whether it's January or April or whatever works for you, 
And if there is a common um, a habit in your industry, follow that common habit. So if your industry generally puts prices up in January, do it in January, not in June, because <laughs> you'll stick out like a sore thumb if you do it in June and everybody else is doing it in January. Mm. Uh, so far better than that than waiting three years and saying, oh, sorry, guys, prices are going up by 20% next year. We haven't done it in three years. Hope that's okay. Far better regular, small, frequent um, changes rather than big, you know, big changes that are, that are going to disrupt uh, your business cycle. So that's my advice on that, John. Okay. Awesome. Wow. What uh, you have shelled out the value today, Mark, uh, Right. And folks, you, I think, you know, listening to this, you've gotten thousands of dollars worth of value here from Mark at no charge, but, um, yeah, so thank you for that. But, but for those that want to dig deeper, uh, learn more about your services that you offer and get, and maybe, uh, ask some questions, uh, can they get in touch? And if so, how, how can, uh, they do that? Yeah, of course. So they can find me on my website, which is pricemaker co.uk and if you go on there there's a pricing challenge and you click on it it's a self-assessment and you get a scorecard on your pricing capability so uh, fill that in and it will give you loads more value and you'll find my contact details on the website as well so that's pricemaker.co.uk terrific mark peacock folks uh mark this it's been a pleasure and thank you again for the uh coming on and delivering so much value. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, John. I always love talking about pricing. So thank you for inviting me today. Thank you. And friends, just a reminder, if you'd like to hear more of this series, go to pricevaluejourney.com. And to connect with me directly, just send an email, john at johnray.co. Thank you for joining us.